Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak. And our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And those are the exact skills, those life skills that we're talking about today. But we want to talk about what happens when those life skills, things like social and emotional learning skills, actually meet real life and you see them play out. And what, what's so amazing to us is they change everything. Yeah, it's true. So the term social and emotional learning became in vogue really less than 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, I began to hear superintendents talking about it and so forth. And we began to see the need because students already were experiencing anxiety and they weren't able to resolve conflicts. They weren't able to regulate their emotions. Those are all helpful. Now we see when you develop social and emotional literacy, skills to do life, you're going to be career ready, or at least more career ready than merely learning reading, writing, arithmetic. Absolutely. We're not saying that's not important, but these are life skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not just about, you know, do I feel better? That's very important, right? Mm -hmm. We want kids who can regulate their emotions and all those things. But what we're seeing is it actually gets them ready for so much more than that. So it involves things like self-awareness, so uh, self-management, yes. social awareness, relationship management, uh, good decision-making. Absolutely. And those are all, um, for some people, you might say they're intuitive. Those are just reading nuances in, in conversation. But for most of us, it's, it's learned. And I'm thrilled whenever I see a young person that seems to pick up those social-emotional cues early on. Absolutely. Uh, my daughter, Bethany, listeners, uh, was... Um, she wasn't a book smart student, but he was, she was a street smart. Yes. Yeah. Would you agree? You I know would. Bethany. I would. Street smart more than book smart. Yeah. Although she's got a graduate degree, so she's she's got she's, both. But she's not unintelligent. No, that's this for is true. Sure, and yeah. she's always got something to say. Yeah. I don't know where she got that from. But anyway, <laughs> so when Bethany uh, Andrew was 18 years old, she was just old enough to get a jury summons, yeah. and she got one. Wow. I don't think I served on a jury until well into my late 20s, but she was asked, and so she showed up. Well, when she got there, she realized they're selecting jurors, and she was picked right away because this case was actually a double crime. It was a theft and murder at a convenience store. Wow. So you can imagine, traffic tickets are one thing. This was someone broke That's a big a, deal. Yeah, a murder and a, and a, and a robbery. Well, both attorneys, the defen- the prosecutor and the defender, both wanted her on the jury because they thought, oh, she's young. She'll be easy to persuade. Mm-hmm. I can persuade her. So Bethany quietly sits on the journey. After all, she is the youngest one there, so she's not speaking up, even though that is her predisposition. Yeah. The jury finally is sent back to deliberate on their decision, and they go back and forth. It's actually a hung jury. Bethany told me the story detail by detail. It was a hung jury for a couple of hours until one of the jurors said, Miss Bethany, you haven't said a thing. What do you think about all this? And Bethany, somewhat sheepishly, because she was just a teenager, said, well, I did notice something. And then she asked the question of these other adult jurors who some of them were old enough to be her parent, some were old enough to be her grandparent. She said, did you notice when the defendant is on the witness stand, he has a nervous habit of playing with his collar. And everybody immediately nodded. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I didn't think about it. She said, could we watch the tape again? From the, the robbery. The, from the robbery. And sure enough, here's the guy holding a gun, playing with his collar. Uh, and it was enough to sway the jurors. I mean, it's like a television show. It actually, is like know. a television well, show. Well, uh, you know, and you would say, well, playing with a collar is not enough to convict it. It wasn't, but let me tell you what happened. He was convicted. The judge came down, 
found my daughter Bethany at 18 and said, I'm proud of you, young lady. I knew way more about this defendant than anybody else, than I could say, mm, you know. For some reason that couldn't come that, up. That's right, the, yeah, and yeah. he's a judge, not part of the jury, yeah. but but he said, you you nailed it, and I, I'm, I'm proud of what you, what you just did. Wow. Well, for me, that wasn't a, a book she read, it wasn't a math equation she got, it was being socially and emotionally astute enough to pick up social cues in a, in a, intense moment in a courtroom. Absolutely. And that's, you might look at that and go, that sounds like a skill you can't teach. Well, actually you can't, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's been such a hard year. We don't have to tell people that, yeah, right? That's right. Uh, it's been difficult in so many different ways. Uh, and so what we want to do today is talk about what it looks like, what happens really yeah. when we actually do the hard work of teaching those kinds of skills. Yeah. Noticing things people don't notice, engaging with others in a social way, learning to manage myself, all those kinds of things. It's really, honestly, the good news in the midst of all of this yeah. very difficult news that's sort of uh, floating around. So it's always good news when a school adapts to the times in order to help an entire community make progress in a time when literally thousands of schools are just, frankly, in survival yeah, mode, yeah. focusing only on ensuring that the academic scores uh, stay up. But one school in Sanger, Texas, and we actually want to talk about this school yeah. for this entire podcast, yeah. chose to get everyone involved uh, to solve a community problem and to solve its own problems at the same time. And you might be thinking, how is that possible? Well, that's exactly why I want to yeah. talk about this. So this. listeners, we have a case study. Uh, it's in Sanger, Texas, as Andrew just mentioned, and the school is Linda Tut High School. Public school in this in this small town, but there were problems uh, not just with COVID-19 and, and the protests that were going on and the pay reductions that had gone on. There were all kinds of problems that were chronic in this community yeah. for years, way yeah. before COVID-19 ever hit. But um, there was a nonprofit organization that approached the principal of Linda Tutt High School and proposed that maybe they could teach life skills while solving all the other problems they were faced with, with just poor conduct on the students' part, um, free and reduced lunches. There were a lot, there's a lot of poverty in this area. There were just multiple problems. They said, you got nothing to lose. What if we do this? And the nonprofit suggested that they put a store a retail store on the campus okay, and have it be student-run. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's what the principal said. Interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, how is that going to solve well, yeah, my yeah, problems? Exactly. You know? and, and, well, they didn't know at first all the problems. They knew it would solve two or three. It ended up solving at least a half a dozen problems, half a dozen problems on the campus and as well as in the community. So, Andrew, today what I thought it would be fun to do is talk about what Principal Love, Tony Love, Anthony Love, the principal, and this nonprofit organization did together on that campus at Linda Tut High School that pretty much changed the whole community. Mm. Let's do it. Okay. So um, clearly, Principal Love has more in his mind than just test scores, okay? Yeah, of course. He got past that. And if you're an educator listening, I'm not saying they're not important, but we just have to go higher than that and say, just getting good grades, is that going to get them ready for life? And is it going to produce the leaders our community and our world is going to need ahead? Well, the answer is no. And so this is what Principal Love did. Um, in this store, let me just kind of set up the scenario. They decided they were going to sell food and other daily needed items, okay. but no cash would be given or received. So it's a cashless store. Okay. And I'm not talking about credit cards now or Apple Pay either. <laughs> yes. You pay with good deeds. 
So students can, if, if students live in an, uh, under the poverty line or, or in a poor socioeconomic situation, they can go in and show, look what I've done in terms of community service, look what I've done in, in terms of good conduct on campus, uh -huh. look what I've done in terms of good grades and study habits that will be enough to pay for that night's meal or their lunch or whatever. Yeah. So what I love about this is, number one, it's solving the, the food issue that was there in that town. But secondly, it's student-run. I'm going to get to this later. So the students are learning. You know, they're learning to do P&L, profit and loss, keeping the books, counting the change, all the stuff you might learn in theory in a math textbook, yeah. they're actually learning in real life. Yeah. School became real life. I love it. I yeah. love it. And it, it, what's so great about this is it's positively associating having my needs met with positive behavior, right? Yes. Which yeah. is an association that uh, doesn't happen in a lot of no. communities of need. Oftentimes, yeah. it's negative behaviors that often lead yeah. to needs being met. And so this is a really good reversal of that mindset. It really well. is. And they've seen a change. So let me, um, listeners, let me just jump into maybe half a dozen ideas on why this is a you know, not a double win or triple win, a quadruple win and more. Yeah. Uh, so let me just go one by one into it, and I want you to comment back because you've Let's got some it. insights on yeah. this too. So number one, this is one of the wins. Students learn job skills and valuable social-emotional competencies, as we mentioned already. So when the store was opened on campus, it was an instant opportunity for teens to gain work experience, some of which had no work experience. Absolutely. In fact, Andrew, you and I notice in some communities, parents even discourage a kid from working. They say, yeah. just focus on academics. Yeah. Not bad, but boy, that doesn't get them job ready sometimes. So the students are getting job ready because they're getting work experience during high school. And part of its genius is only student volunteers work as team members to make sure they gain employability skills as they develop uh, emotional literacy. And this is so huge because I, I regularly have um, conversations with young people who are just graduating college or early in their career, and often they'll go to apply to a job, and it'll yeah. say... Three years yeah. of experience required, right? Yeah. And they're supposed to go, for this entry-level position, how am I supposed to have three years of experience yeah. if they're expecting me to be entry-level? Yeah. Well, the answer is opportunities like this. Yeah. And it has such a valuable benefit to young people to get these kinds of experiences early on because not only are they learning the skills, they're also gaining that valuable experience. So when they go for their quote-unquote first job, it won't have been their first job yeah, at all. That's right. You know, Absolutely. I love that. I do too. So the second obvious second win is families and kids in need are helped amidst the pandemic. Yeah. So the economy's in worse shape than it's been in, in quite a while. Uh, but the store aims to address food insecurities for students and others in the community during this ongoing pandemic period. And they may keep it afterwards. They're going to wait and see. But right now, it's definitely a need. Mm. Um, it, 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 it is open on Monday through Wednesday for students and staff in the school district. Uh, the food is funded by a grant from the Texas Health Resources. So the nonprofit got involved. It was a faith-based nonprofit, the public school. And then uh, the Texas Health Resources said, this is a great idea. We're going to help too. So they help fund the stocking of groceries, et cetera. And now, you know, it's helping communities. I love that. I love the that. third positive takeaway is positive behavior is encouraged over negative behavior. As I mentioned, how do you pay for the food? By your conduct. So um, instead of paying for groceries with cash, students can get food items for their families. Not, by the way, not just for themselves, not just a Snickers bar for themselves, Absolutely. for their family. Yeah. Mom may say, son, I need you to help out. Yeah. And keep your conduct up today because yes, you know. exactly. So I mean, it, 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 on one hand, I know this is such a touchy subject. I don't mean to mishandle it, but I could see a mom saying, 
I need you to really pay attention because we're going to need the the baked beans tonight, you yeah. know. And uh, okay, you know, it's an extra reason besides you know I got a I got a satisfactory on my report card for conduct. Absolutely, you know that day. So um, I, I love this. Um, each action is worth points uh, that can be used to purchase the products the families need. And like I said, it's service projects, meaning community service. It's conduct in the hallways as well as in class. It is some study habits and academics. So they do say, we do want you to make good grades, but we know it's so much more than that. So there's all kinds of ways to earn points. Yes. And sub kids are not only getting the meal, they're getting dessert too, because they're doing a good job keeping their life together. Absolutely. It's important to remember that in life, you are rewarded for positive behavior, right? So really what it's doing is it's a system that's creating that expectation yeah. and, and rewarding it, right? Yeah. In, in all the ways that we would want it to. Absolutely. So number four, the fourth takeaway, several organizations collaborated, enabling everyone to achieve more. So I've already mentioned uh, the Texas Health Services, uh, Principal Love and the school itself, the nonprofit, which is First Refuge Ministries. It's a faith-based nonprofit. Um, Texas Health Resources, Albertson Supermarket. You might know that name. They're, they're a nationwide uh, supermarket. All of them got, And then um, they also partnered with a backpack program. So that's where they put the food. When they take it home, they got a backpack uh, given to them as well. So I guess what I love is that these students are seeing, pardon me, grown adults act like adults yep. and say we're not in competition with one another yep. to get credit for something. Mm-hmm. We're collaborating, five of us, to, to make this happen. Yeah, it's it's uh, them, and, and this is these are things that we think about at Growing Leaders all the time. Could we achieve our mission better if we submitted ourselves yeah. to somebody else's thing, yeah. they, program yeah. they've got going on over there? So this is four different organizations all saying, you know what, it doesn't have to be my thing, yes. it can be our thing. Yeah. And I think when we choose to work together, the potential is almost limitless. No doubt. Number five, young people learn ownership as the entire project relies upon them. I love it. So I mentioned this before. Let me just say it again. There aren't adults running this store. It's student. Now, they're usually upperclassmen, but there's some sophomores and freshmen that get involved at lower-level jobs, like sweeping the floor or whatever. But these are kids, minors. Can I just say it that way? Minors yeah. that are running, running the store. I, I love this. So it's student-run. Kids do everything from stocking the shelves to tracking the inventory to managing the point system for the purchases. That's the cash. Uh, teens gain experience practicing metacognition. Absolutely. How do I own? How to you know solve this problem? And of course, assuming responsibilities normally given only to adults. Yeah. Where else in their lives would they be trusted? Quite like yeah. they're trusted in this yeah. situation. That's yeah. a huge thing. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to search for words to help everybody listening fully get this. It's both incentivized by good behavior, but also it. It takes care of the problems that mere punishment could not take care of. Absolutely. So it's more than just punitive. It's, it's can I say, redemptive. Yeah, absolutely. So the last one I want to share, it's, this big takeaway is the, the actual community wins as people volunteer and others benefit from that service. So what I mean by this one is uh, because the stores open Monday through Wednesday to students and open on Tuesday nights for the community... Uh, the public can utilize the grocery store via curbside pickup, students in masks, handing the bags of groceries to wh- the people that, that ordered it. Uh, the size of the family, I, lo- I love this, determines the number of points kids receive at the store. So it's not just, I swept that floor better than you swept that floor. No, you got three brothers. You're going to need more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's thought through. And I'm sure they would say, yeah, we're still learning. It's not perfect. Of course. But 
at least they took a step like this that went way beyond multiple choice tests and textbooks. Absolutely. And what they realized, probably slowly at first and then altogether they realized later on, what we did with this one action is we created a, yeah. a, a ripple effect that is uh, improving our whole community. The two terms that come to my mind is career preparation and life transformation. Mm. It was more than just job ready, although they are. I think their hearts are changing. In fact, a kid like me that might have been prone to get in trouble is not getting in trouble. They're using all that risky incentive, you know, the, the stuff that we talk about often that teens want to take risk. Well, now they're applying it to something that actually does something good. I love it. I love it. it. Yeah. I love it. So when students actually apply SEL competencies, social emotional learning competencies, um, it's, it's just critical. I, and I, I, please hear me, listeners. I'm not saying academics is unimportant. All of that stuff is, but we become so, may I say, lopsided in that unilateral report card that, that how many times have we all said, how could such a smart kid do such a dumb thing? Well, he got academics. He didn't get anything else. Yeah. Parents, teachers, and coaches didn't do some of the stuff to get him ready for life. So um, it's more than a discussion in a classroom so a teacher can check a box. Um, we at Growing Leaders... Uh, so love this because we want to see students learn these skills so they can change the world, starting with themselves. Uh, we want to see teens, uh, I, the phrase I like to use, we want to see teens change from the inside out so they can turn the world upside down. I love that. Um, yeah. So, and that's what Principal Anthony Love believes too. Absolutely. So. This is, I'll try not to get on a soapbox here, but it's a conversation I regularly have uh, with educators. They adopt social-emotional learning as a yeah. principle they want to practice, right? Um, and they apply it to their curriculum. And this is one of the dangers yeah. of it becoming an academic, quote-unquote, yeah. course, yeah. is we're teaching life skills in an academic setting. And one of the many ripple effects of that is they'll say things like, we can't get parents to continue this at home. Yeah. And I can tell you why. It's because the parents think it's a school thing, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not a school thing. It's a life thing. Yeah. And this is why this is so important is because we're taking uh, this, what is an ac academic class, of course, now so many schools are implementing this as a part of the core curriculum, but we're seeing it as so much more than that. And when you mm -hmm. choose to see it as so much more than that, that's where it creates the opportunity yeah. for creative ideas that's just right. like this. And we're making it. SEL, real life, real everyday life, that's when it creates the transformation that we're looking for. It really does. And, and I think Principal uh, Love would say this has been transformational all the way around uh, because it's been more than just the academic exercise. But Andrew, um, as we kind of wrap up, I'm thinking about a number of stories that we come across in our work with thousands of schools over the years. Um, I'm thinking of Renetta Simpson yeah. at East Paulding High School, who asked her students, what do you guys really feel like you need before you graduate that you haven't gotten yet? And they all uni in unison said, finances, we don't know anything about money, you know, except spending it. You yes. know? And so Renetta Simpson, this principal, puts a bank on the school campus. She guts two rooms and actually puts a bank in there. And I've mentioned this before in this podcast, but one room is to teach finances, but the other room is to actually transactions. People make deposits. Renetta Simpson, the principal, actually puts her paycheck in that <laughs> bank. She makes deposits twice that. a month. She said, that. they all know what I make because I make, you know, I bank there. The, the students are learning marketing because they're marketing to other students to have them bank there as well. But they're running a bank. And the reason we know this is working is because the local... Um, 
there's a local bank there, a credit union actually, that actually wants these students, as soon as they graduate, to come work for them. Mm. As soon as they graduate from high school. I love and it. And now they're debating, do I go to college or do I get this great job full yeah. time? Well, great question to answer. That's a great question to answer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah there's so many more like this. Um, I, I think of uh, a story that I came across when we worked on the Marching Off the Map book of a teacher named Raleigh Werberger. Yeah. It's quite yeah. a last name. But he, he actually came up with an idea to combine uh, social studies history, all those kinds of things, with agriculture, something very practical for his yeah. kids. He created a project called the Unhappy Meal. The Unhappy Meal. The Unhappy Meal. Okay. And the whole design of it was that over the course of a year, the students would actually create everything that went into a Happy Meal. Interesting. Uh, so they're making a burger and french fries, and so they're doing things like growing tomatoes. Uh, they're uh, raising yeah. a cow to be sent off yeah. to the slaughterhouse. Yeah. They're growing potatoes that are going to, you know... They're growing their, they're making their own butter, milking the cow and making their own butter. They did literally everything you'd have to do. And the whole goal was that the students uh, didn't look at their food the same way ever yeah, again. Yeah. They realized all the different factors in society that make up uh, the things that, that you go through. And I just thought it was a brilliant project where we said, let's not just think about this from uh, an academic level, but let's actually hand over some ownership to these kids and let them discover for themselves. I so love they call that. it an unhappy meal because they work backwards from happy meal. Yes. This is what you got as a product. How do we get there? Well, it's milk and beef yeah. and so forth. It's a little bit of an unhappy yeah. process, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one more I'm thinking of is Akbar Cook, a principal up in New Jersey, uh, and he uh, always had a habit of standing out front of the school in the, in the morning just to greet students when they came in, high fives, hugs, shaking hands. But he started noticing over a period of a week or two that fewer students were actually coming into school, like attendance was down. And when he began to dig a little bit and find out why or, you know, the students were missing, he found out they were being bullied. Mm. So the students who were not coming were being bullied, and they were going, my answer is stay home. But when he dug deeper and found out why they were being bullied, he found out it was because they smelled. Mm. They were living in a home where their clothes were not being washed or dried. And so, you know, a teenager wearing clothes for 10 days in a row, it kind of starts stinking. Yeah. And so they come to school, they smell, they get bullied, they stay home. Well, Akbar Cook, instead of doing some parental correction, you know, yeah. get your kids to school. Yeah. yeah. He decided to get some rooms. There it is again. There's a pattern here. And it wasn't a store or it wasn't a bank. It was actually a laundromat. He put in washers and dryers. He got detergent and fabric softener donated from the stores. The, he, he's got a large, I've seen pictures of him standing up there in a large room where the students who need to use the washer and dryer come early, learn life skills clean their clothes, and then they're off to the academic day. But I'm thinking, what a brilliant SEL exercise. Absolutely. These kids are learning life skills, employability skills through social-emotional learning, and a nice washer and dryer. Yeah, and we're solving a, a big problem. Yeah, that's right, exactly. One final one, and this is probably the most simplistic of all the ones we've talked about. Our, our partners at Collins Hill High School, just north of where yeah. we are uh, in Atlanta, uh, they... Um, they realized that they were having a lot of young um, students coming in in ninth grade, and they were sort of there was a lot of attrition. Yeah, they weren't showing up to class, especially the kids who were considered at risk when yeah. they came in. And what they knew is uh, risk is really opportunity. Those kids have uh, so much potential, but the problem is we're not meeting their needs. And so what they decided to do, rather than introduce some new program the teachers were going to lead, they actually introduced a mentoring 
program. I love it. They got juniors and seniors to apply to become mentors and develop uh, SEL mm-hmm. skills uh, to, in order to connect with those students. And they actually yeah. were using our habitudes How about to that? start conversations. Yeah. So uh, you know if a ninth grader comes into high school, they don't want to pay attention to anybody unless a senior walks yeah, in the classroom right. and yeah. says, hey, I've got something to share with you. Well, they're going to perk up and yeah. listen. That's exactly what, what's been happening for years now at Collins Hill. It's a really cool. I love it. Really cool thing. Yeah. Well, um, the idea may look different for you. And in fact, we encourage that. The point is not to copy necessarily one of the things that we've talked about today, but instead to realize that this has to be more than just an academic program, right? Mm -hmm. It's about getting creative and bringing it down to the student's level, letting them build those life skills that we know are absolutely going to transform uh, their life today and in the future. Mm -hmm. And so we want to encourage you to do that. If along the way you're looking for an opportunity, a way to have these conversations can I just present? This is not the the best idea necessarily, although we're pretty fond of it. And it is one way to teach these skills, uh, and that is our curriculum habitudes for social and emotional learning. We use metaphors, we use imagery, we use conversations and experiences in order to be able to have these conversations about these important life skills. In fact, there's ideas built into the curriculum on ways you can do this very, very practically. So I want to invite you to check this out, Habitudes for Social Emotional Learning. All you got to do is go to growingleaders.com slash S. E-L, and you'll find uh, the opportunity to actually get a free sample of the curriculum uh, via Habitudes Online or Online Portal. It's really easy to use, and it's actually a lot of fun to use, too. So head on over to growingleaders.com slash S-E-L if you're looking for a curriculum that you feel like may help you in your building of uh, life skills in the next generation. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. Or feel free to just pass it along to a friend. Share it with somebody who you feel like may find it uh, it helpful for them. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, we're at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And finally, if you've got ideas for this podcast, things you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those from you. Tim, thank you so much for investing in us today. Thank you guys for leading and developing the next generation. And we'll see you next time.